O Prince of Glory, we pour content on all our pride. What, what is what we have in, compar- in comparison to all you have poured out for us? Speak to us, teach us, empower us. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Woke up way too early this morning. Not the time of the alarm. Don't know what was going on. So I went outside, looked up into the heavens. Wow, Orion. This is the season where Orion, for our driveway, is just right there looking down like we got, we're keeping an eye on you. I love, I love the constellation Orion. And since I was up, I tried to imagine what would it have been like that morning. Maybe the constellation was in the same position. It would have to be, I'm guessing. 178 years ago, this very early morning, what would it have been like? I know if you and I had been alive 178 years ago this very morning and our feet touched the floor as we awakened, we said, this is it. Cold floor, no heat in the house. This is what? This is the day Jesus comes. Do you understand that? Today, October 22, 178 years after 1844. My, oh, my, oh, my. Thanks to that Baptist farmer turned preacher, William Miller, entire cities up and down the eastern seaboard had been set ablaze by, you can go, go and Google it, the Millerite revival, the Millerite movement, men and women, children scrambling because the Bible date had finally been calculated to everybody's satisfaction. Miller believed that Daniel 8, 14, that was his key text, the sanctuary shall be cleansed. He says, that's the return of Jesus. This planet will be ablaze in flame, and that's it. Yeah, we don't understand that. We don't understand that uh, kind of urgency, do we? I mean, look at you and me, so sophisticated, so suave. Our, our, our collection of toys and trinkets and things of this world freighted and pinning us to the earth. Who even thinks about Jesus coming soon anymore? Not you, not me, but they did. My, oh, my. Maybe what we need is what King Hezekiah faced. Instant annihilation in hours. Maybe we need a sense of urgency. Maybe we need something to cut us loose from everything that's weighting us down. I tell you what, the air is hot with high-wire tension, this drama that we turn to right now. Bad news for the king. And by the way, when the news is really, really bad, I mean, when you get a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning, when, when the doctor says, we need to sit down, I want to talk about the results to your tests, when the lawyer calls, when the police call, when your addiction clutches you in a chokehold, asphyxiating your very soul, what then? May I suggest that this panicked king may have found what we need as well. Open your Bible, please, to Isaiah chapter 37. Let's go. Come on. Dramatic. To the core. Isaiah 37 will begin in verse 1. 
Isaiah 37, I'm in the NIV. Whatever Bible you have, just open it up. Let's go together. Isaiah 37. And here it is. When King Hezekiah heard this, he received a message FedEx to him from the commander of 185,000 crack warriors who now are suffocating his church in their siege. Here comes the note. Surrender or you're dead. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he went up, went up into the temple of the Lord. Surrender or you're dead. The enemy has always worked. Have you noticed this? Always worked by intimidation. That's the way. In fact, look what the and here's the FedEx message right here. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. <laughs> Rubbish. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Nope, nope, nope. Surrender, you're dead. Intimidation. New Testament, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Do you know why a lion roars? Paralyzes prey. You can't run. You're pinned. Gotcha. Intimidation. Be alert of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Wesley Duell. In a stirring masterpiece. Oh, I wish I could give this book to everybody sitting in this sanctuary right now. You'd get one from me. Stirring masterpiece, mighty prevailing prayer. Here he, here he goes. Many Christians have a morbid fear of the devil. You may be in that camp. Remember, he is a created being who is already under the wrath of God, defeated at Calvary by Christ, and whose doom is already announced in the Bible. Martin Luther, that great, a mighty fortress hymn. And in our opening music, our organist bringing back those refrains, there's a line tucked away in a mighty for fortress that goes like this, and lo, his doom is sure. But he still fights. He knows he's lost the war. Calvary's clear. You lose, loser. In fact, Colossians 2.15 declares that Jesus made a public spectacle of the enemy, the powers and authorities, the devil himself, and conquered him at the cross. Lucifer has been shamed at Calvary for the rest of his existence. No, he knows he's lost the war. But guess what? There are still the little battles. And that's where you and I fit in. There are still the little skirmishes. And his, his strategy is in furious desperation to take as many of us with him into oblivion as is humanly and diabolically possible. Come on, girl. I'm getting you. Boy, surrender or you're dead. Duel goes on. As a created being, speaking of Satan, he is limited in power. Only God is all-powerful. As a created being, he's limited in knowledge. Only God has all knowledge. And here's a little bracketed line. The devil cannot read your mind. I stuck that in there. Some people are absolutely intimidated by the devil. Do you know that he cannot read your mind? He cannot read your mind. The angels can. The Holy Spirit, of course, all the time is tracking you through your mind. But the devil cannot read your mind. Oh, don't, don't, don't be fooled. He may not be able to read your mind, but he can read your face. And when you walk past that uh, second piece of chocolate cake, 
He watches your eyes, and those eyes light up. He watches, he can see your taste buds. And when they start squirting, he says, she's ready to go. Move in for the kill. Go for the second one. Come on, girl. Go, go, go. No, he's brilliant. (laughs) He can't read your mind, but he can tell what you're thinking. He can tell just by watching you. He's He's hung around you just long enough. Yeah. Okay, as a created being, he is limited in presence. Only God is everywhere present. You don't have Satan on you. Satan, somewhere on this planet, there's a bigger battle than you or me right now, and he's there. But if you start giving resistance, and that little demon that's been assigned to you is calling for help, and there's a second demon brought in, and then there's more help, and by the way, help's coming from the other side, he may one day be on your doorstep saying, I'm going to get this girl, I'm going to kill her, I'm going to kill him this time. Don't minimize him. You don't have to live intimidated, but don't minimize our enemy. My, 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 my. Luther wrote it in his song, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. There's nobody that can match him. Now you, boy, you are no match for him. Give it up. You are no match for him. No wonder Paul himself, an intrepid warrior for Christ, described it this way. I read just a moment ago by my young friend John. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, mm-mm, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Those who study uh, heavenly cosmology, or we could call it angel cosmology, you know, the order of things. All agree that verses like these remind us of a multi-tiered hierarchy and thus alert us to the fact that both sides, light, God, darkness, fallen Lucifer, both sides are armed to the teeth and organized to the hilt. Nobody's dinking around in this battle. The only people dinking around in this battle are you and me. They got this thing down to a science. Killer. I need help. Go. I need more. Go. But in any case, and always, hallelujah, God and his angel armies rule the day and night. Can I get an amen to that? They rule the day and the night, but poor King Hezekiah, my, 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 surrender or you are dead. But watch this. In the strategic battle plan of the divine, Hezekiah seizes one weapon that's available to you and it's available to me, and if we will simply seize it as he did, we shall win. Watch. Chapter 37, a few verses later. So he's he's torn his garments. He's in the temple. Here we go. And Hezekiah received that letter from the messengers and read it's surrender or you're dead. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. I love this. He comes to the front of the church. Nobody's there. He spreads out that FedEx and he says, my God. That's exactly what he says. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty. Now, the the, uh, New International Version, God bless them, they just didn't like Lord of hosts. Uh, I think it's to their loss. They decided we won't call this Sabaoth. We'll just call it Almighty. But it's really the Lord of angel armies. And we need to be reminded he commands angel armies. And they're on your side. Do you understand that? Lord Almighty, 
Lord Sabaoth, Adonai Sabaoth, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. What are cherubim? Angels, the highest of high angels. Enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. That is an absolutely beautiful Adventist prayer. Did you notice that? First of all, it's talking about the creator God. We serve only one creator God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. That's why as a Seventh-day Adventist, we will never yield the Bible's Seventh-day Sabbath, no matter how much pressure is put on us, no matter what the offer is to walk away from it, we will never walk away from the Seventh-day Sabbath because it identifies every seventh day who our Savior and Creator is. We'll never walk away. Don't you ever let anybody try to dissuade you. Crazy. It's an Adventist, thoroughly Adventist prayer. Because you get this line right here. Right here. Oh, Lord of angel armies, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. That's language straight off the top of Mount Sinai, wrapped in thundering lightning and fire. And God is at the top with his dear friend Moses. And God is instructing Moses. Now, there's one last piece we need to make for this little portable church called the tabernacle. It's called the ark. Let me give you the dimensions. Here's what's going on right here. Exodus 25, verse 18 and verse 22. And you, Moses, shall make two cherubim, those are the angels, of gold. And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim. That little golden box in the most holy place in space that is perennially white with fire and glory, the physical presence of Almighty God, I'll meet you between the cherubim. Hezekiah prays, O oh God, O oh God who dwells beneath the cherubim. Do you, know, do you know that that phrase is used only seven times? It's a unique phrase, seven times in all of Holy Scripture. Wow. Hezekiah appeals to that God, surrounded as he is today by imminent death, spreads out that surrender or your dead letter on the temple floor and pleads with the God, enthroned between heaven's cherubim, save us, deliver us. Oh, I love that prayer. I think I'll memorize it. O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, save us. I beg of you, save us. It's a Daniel 8, 14 kind of prayer, is it not? For only once a year, Yom Kippur, come on, you know the story. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, only happens once a year. When in a ritual symbolic of the final cleansing in heaven's sanctuary and heaven's records prophesied by Daniel to take place just before the cataclysmic end of the world, the high priest, only one day of the year, parts that veil. His heart is in his throat. White light glory. And he steps into that divine presence, physical presence. Oh, God, enthroned between the cherubim, save me, save us. Even at 2 o'clock in the morning, you have no idea who's calling at this unearthly hour. God, save me. Even at midnight, when our overheated laptop surfs the dark web, where our addicted souls need 
somebody to step in quick and deliver us from the lair of the cruel lion's den who will take us deeper and deeper into that darkness. Stop! Prayer ends now, Lord our God. Deliver us from the enemy's hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only, only God. Hezekiah, in a moment of crippling danger, grasped the most potent weapon he has, and it is the most potent weapon you and I have. Three times God will use the identical Hebrew formula to describe this weapon. And here we go. Here it is. Jot these down in your mind. Psalm 50, verse 15, God speaking, and call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Psalm 91, 15, the great protection psalm, he will call on me. You already got it. He will call on me, and, will a- and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Jeremiah 29, 12. Verse 11, and I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. As soon as he makes that promise, he says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Call on me, call on me, call on me. Dwight, why don't you ever call on me? You're calling on yourself. You're calling on your friends. You're calling on the authorities. You're calling somebody. You're calling everybody. You don't call on me. Why? Do you think you can save yourself out of this? You cannot. Call on me. Call on me, and I'll deliver you. Some people think you have to be trained to pray this prayer. You need no training at all because the prayer is one word long. Help! That's all you have to pray. Help me. God, between the angel's wings, deliver me. Now, please. Yeah, but Dwight, I'm too much of a sinner. I'm too addicted. I'm too weak. I'm too much of a loser. You know what, my friend? Even if you were right, even if you were You need to pray only one prayer before this one. And this prayer will open this prayer we've just learned for your immediate access. And here's the prayer. Jesus told a story once upon a time about two men who went to church. One sat in the front and said, I'm the greatest guy on earth. The other sat in the back pew of the church, bounding, beating his chest, Jesus said, praying the one-sentence prayer, God, be merciful to me. And in the actual language of, uh, of Luke, which is the language Jesus was intending through Aramaic, the emphasis he is, he is intending to make, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I'm the sinner. Some of you are convinced today that you're the, you're the sinner sitting in this sanctuary. You're the sinner here because you know your life. None of us does, but you know your life. Oh, but we also know our lives. God, be merciful to me, the numero uno sinner. That's not so unusual. The mighty apostle Paul comes along and he says, here is a trustworthy saying worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I'm the worst. My, oh, my, oh, my. Wow. How critical is this prayer at this time? 
Prayer is the greatest means. This is do well now. Prayer is the greatest means of spiritual power and spiritual victory to you as a Christian. So Satan fears it more than all else you can do. Keep reading. Apart from God himself and his heavenly beings, prayer is the greatest danger to the enemy's purpose, the enemy's plans, and the enemy's activities. Prayer is the, most, is the mightiest weapon you have. The greatest. The most powerful. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I'll deliver you. Here's Duel again. Satan is more afraid of your praying than of your pure life or zealous witness. Nah. Prayer is a militant force that has the potential of defeating Satan, destroying his works, and driving him out of places and lives he claims for his own. And by the way, you not only pray for yourself, but you have people you're praying for. Never back down praying for the people that you love. It might be your parents back at home, and they're going through a mess right now. You keep praying for your parents. This, this weapon is not just for me, 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 me. You can use it for others as well. Ellen White concurs, by the way. Satan cannot endure. Oh, this is something. Satan cannot endure to have his powerful rival appeal to. Who do you suppose is his his powerful rival? The Lord Jesus Christ, of course. He's been jealous of Jesus from the get-go. Satan cannot endure to have his powerful rival appeal to, for he fears and he trembles before Jesus' strength and majesty at the sound of fervent prayer. Satan's whole host trembles. He continues to call legions. Come on. He's praying. She's praying. Give me give, Send in reinforcements. He continues to call legions of evil angels to accomplish his object. And when angels, all-powerful, clothed with the army of heaven, show up as they will, when you pray, they show up. When angels, all-powerful, clothed with the armory of heaven, come to the help of the fainting, pursued soul, that's one person. That's not the whole church praying. That's one person. That's little you and little me. When you pray, you unleash forces who rush to your side to defend you from the killer who is determined that today's your day. I will destroy him today. No. Satan, oh, boy. I gotta read this again. And when angels, all powerful, clothed with the armory of heaven, come to help, to the help of the fainting, pursued soul, one soul, Satan and his host fall back, well knowing the battle's over, guys. Find somebody else. She's protected now. He's protected. Keep an eye on him. I can't be back here. You keep an eye on him. He'll let his guard down. Trust me, he'll let his guard down. We've been through this before. Just stay on him. We're in a war, folks. Nobody's dinking around out there. Why are we dinking around in here? It's stupid. It's foolish. We ought not to be doing it. 178 years ago, people took life really serious. You know why? Because they believed Jesus was coming soon. It's time to resurrect the Advent hope in Adventism today. Jesus is coming soon. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean he's not coming soon. That's your problem. And by the way, if you die on the way home, God forbid, Jesus just came for you. There you go. He just came for you. Yeah, just don't, don't put it off. All right. One more line. And when they humbly entreat the mighty conqueror for help, the weakest believer, 
By the way, I'm the weakest believer. Anybody else the weakest believer in this sanctuary right now? Put your hand up if you're the weakest believer. I'm, I'm, I'm easily the weakest believer, which is why this, this promise is so good for, for me. When they humbly entreat the mighty conqueror for help, the weakest believer in the truth, relying firmly upon Christ, can successfully repulse Satan and all his armies. All of them. You. It's not in your power. You know that. It's not your power. It's Jesus' power. Jesus right there. You called? I did. God of angel armies, enthroned between the chariot. Save me now. Why are we so, why are we so hesitant to ask? Call on me, call on me, call on me. I'll come. You call, I come. Hmm. Well, do not let the devil, I scribbled this down here, do not let the devil use your sin, because he knows your sin better than you do. Do not let the devil use your sin or your sinful record. He knows your addiction. Do not let him use your sinful record to hold you back from calling on God night and day, the God who dwells between the cherubim. Save me, please. Call on him. Last quote. I have this written in every Bible I have because this is, this is my dynamite. This is, just, this is just so favorite. This is from my favorite book, Desire of Ages. We are to contend with supernatural forces but we are assured of supernatural help. Hallelujah. All the, intelligences of he- all the intelligences of heaven are in this army. This is the army that comes when you call. The, the entire intelligences of heaven in this army, and more than angels are in the ranks. Keep reading. The Holy Spirit, the representative of the captain of the Lord's host, comes down to direct the battle. For you, madam, for you, sir, all heaven is at your disposal. Now, here comes the line. He said, Dwight, I'm just, I'm a loser. I cannot avail myself of this power. You are so wrong. You are so wrong. Our infirmities may be many. Our sins and mistakes grieve us. But the grace of God is for all who seek it with contrition. What matters to God is not your track record. Mm-mm. What matters to God is not your sin that counts. Mm-mm. It's grace. It's grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Do I, did you want something more than my grace? No, Lord, grace is enough. The power of omnipotence is enlisted in behalf of those who trust in God. Call on me. Nail scarred, hands outstretched to Calvary. That, what's he saying? He's saying, call on me. Call on me, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Yes, you will. You will glorify me. And guess what? That dark night when troubled King Hezekiah finally drifted off to sleep, after his desperate and passionate prayer. Sometime in that night, his prayer was answered. When the next morning, 185,000 enemy warriors woke up dead. Gone. Come on me. I'm the God between the cherubim. Come on me.
Commune with me. Worship me. Ask me. It doesn't get any, any better than this, my friends.